Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Our talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is Buckeye Futures Friday here with Nathan Baird and Stephen Meads from Cleveland.com. This is your weekly Ohio State football recruiting roundup recruiting discussion and this week we're talking about something that's a a term that we've brought up multiple times since we started bffs here a few weeks ago and we've been we've been bffs longer than that but we've been doing the bffs podcast for the past uh, couple months and we've brought up the buckeye bash a couple times i think people know what that is but just in case there are people who don't follow recruiting as closely as others and i think those people are on this podcast and on on our, our tech subscribers we wanted to kind of break that down and tell you what it is, why it's important, and what it's going to look like coming up here in June in uh, this summer in 2021, and why it's important for the what's going on with this 2022 class. So, Stephen, you're a recruiting guy. I want you maybe to just start off and like lay the foundation here. What is Buckeye Bash? How did it start? And why has it become this kind of like staple of the Ohio State recruiting football calendar? Yeah, so um, sit back and enjoy your ride or or whatever you're doing, if you're cleaning, working, whatever, because this is going to be a nice long story. Er, It starts with Urban Meyer and what he brought to Ohio State when he got here as his big recruiting thing in the summer, and it was called Friday Night Lights. And the idea behind it was you get recruits here, you get them in Ohio Stadium, under the lights, fans could come in and watch, and you get that feel you know, of what it is to play at Ohio Stadium in a primetime situation, which as we all, Ohio State gets in primetime games, you get that feel. And you just, you, it's a day camp, basically. It's just at night and you get a different feel. And it's a lot of important commitment uh, recruits there. I remember, I wasn't on the beat at the time, but this is, this is the exact day that Chase, Chase Young committed in summer of 2016 at a Friday Night Lights camp. And there's actually pictures if you go, you know, surf the internet or uh, Twitter, you can find him, of him telling Larry Johnson the moment he actually did it and Larry Johnson leaping into Chase Young's arms and excitement. And then people got to talk to Chase afterward about his commitment, yada, yada, yada. But it's just this big recruiting weekend where you get to go through drills, the normal stuff that you do at day camps, but it's just under the lights in Ohio Stadium and it's a feel. And it's a really good way to get commits, as you saw with Chase Young. 
Ryan Day is not doing that anymore. That's that was the Urban Meyer era. He has brought in something different that maybe fits his personality a little bit more. Because Urban Meyer was a vibe. When he walked into a room, you could feel his presence. Ryan Day is not that doesn't have that type of aura yet. But what he is is very personable. When you talk to Rick, he's very personable when you talk to him and what and whatnot. And so what he adopted during the summer of 2019 was called the Buckeye Bash and Barbecue. And it's the same idea, except you're not doing drills. You're not under the lights at Ohio Stadium. It's just a, a cookout, basically. And, yeah, there are drills and stuff during the day, but it's more of a laid back. You're getting to know each other, the brotherhood aspect of Ohio State football and building relationships more than anything else. And in 2019, that summer when they did it, there were 15 guys who showed up to that. Not everybody. And 10 of those guys ended up committing after – Either after, during, or right before they showed up for that weekend, that June 21st weekend in 2019, the only guy when they showed up that was committed already was Paris Johnson. And then Clark Phillips uh, III, the cornerback who ended up flipping to Utah, also came. He committed the moment he got here. But from what you saw from that weekend was a spur of commitments, mostly on the defensive side of the ball. Lathan Ransom, Cameron Martinez, uh, Darion Henry Young, all these guys kind of followed. And that was where you saw that surge of commitments that led to the class being almost full going into this 2019 season. The same thing sort of happened that was supposed to happen last summer with the 2021 class. And you saw a lot of the Jack Sawyer, uh, Kyle McCord, Mecca, but all these guys, I, th I think JT Tumalau was supposed to be there. In June, again, the same thing was supposed to happen, but obviously COVID shut all that down. And so it adapted itself. Jack Sawyer took it upon himself to make it more of a, a player-led visit thing like you saw at LSU, as you saw at Oklahoma and other schools start to adopt. So instead of it being an Ohio State sanctioned thing, it was just Travion Henderson, Kyle McCord, uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. was there. Uh, Tristan Lee was supposed to come, but he ended up not coming and obviously ended up committing to Clemson. Uh, but all these kids just came. Uh, Evan Pryor, they came. They hung out at Jack Sawyer's house. They were That Friday, they were supposed to go see Ben Christman play, um, play in a uh, Ohio State uh, playoff game, but it rained, so they just decided to stay home. And they just walked around the campus and did what you're seeing a lot of kids do, self-guided visits, but they just did it in a group. And they walked around High Street and did all this stuff. There weren't any big commitments in that one, but that was more about – We've all been committed for six months. We have a great relationship, but I've never met a lot of you guys in person. So let's get together so that the first time we meet each other isn't in January when we early enroll. And at least we know a Columbus a little bit, even if that means we don't know the Woody as much when you talk about guys like Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson. This summer, if the recruiting dead period ends on May 31st, as there's some optimism that it will, we can get back to that 2019 version of the Buckeye Bash. They're calling it the Buckeye Bash 2.0, but the idea of – it's a cookout. It's, it's this laid back thing where all the recruits can come together and this one, all the commits are supposed to be there. And then there's a growing list of targets who are still out there who are supposed to be coming as well. So before we get more into the specifics of what Ohio state's doing, I, I want to kind of touch on a couple of things you mentioned in there. First of all, is, is this something that if like every major program is doing some version of this now, like if you don't do something like this, is it conspicuous? Are you, are you missing something does Ohio state have to do something like this to keep itself in that same um, vibe, as you mentioned with Clemson, Alabama, uh, Florida, LSU, whoever on, on the national stage? 
Yeah, I think most schools just do junior days, which is, you know, when you're actually allowed to talk to these guys a little bit more freely. Clemson, obviously, last year they had their junior year, junior day right before the, 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 the shutdown happened and COVID kicked in. And that's when you saw, you know, they got a, a spur of commits out of that, including Corey Foreman, who ended up flipping elsewhere. But that's what you see a lot of schools doing. But, yeah, I do think you're seeing more schools get involved in the summer big recruiting weekend type of vibe because you got to get these guys around each other. You know, you, it, it's – Ryan Day and Mark Pantone say it all the time. Some, your best recruiters are the players because they can talk to each other more freely than the coaches can. And so these guys have to get around each other and get a feel for each other, especially if you're recruiting two, three wide receivers in a class or two, three uh, – running backs or two, three linebackers, these guys are going to be in the rooms with each other. These guys are going to be roommates when they get on campus with each other. And so, yeah, I think it was a unique thing when Urban Meyer started it, I think, but now it's become a staple at most programs where you just got to have a, at some point, whether it's the summer, whether it's a junior day or whether it's the time during a season, there's got to be a weekend where as recruiting writers, we're going X and X school was having a big recruiting weekend. Here's who's all coming. I thought you also hit on an interesting thing in there, which is the contrast between what Urban Meyer started and what Ryan Day is continuing. And, and you know, last year and the, the coronavirus may have also, like, further established that difference because of just what that had to be last year. But I, I think that's interesting that the kind of the difference between the bringing everybody in for, like, a sales pitch, it seems almost like this is a bad analogy, but it's like – Friday Night Lights to me is almost like you're bringing everybody in for like the uh, the uh, timeshare convention sales pitch, like put everybody in a room and you're like trying to get everybody excited and like who's who's jumping on board this weekend. And I don't that this doesn't seem like the same vibe. Use the word that you used that Ryan Day is trying to get that. Yes, they want commitments. Yes, they want this to be a fruitful recruiting weekend. And I don't think this is even a criticism of what Urban Meyer did by any means, because obviously it was successful. But Ryan Day's approach does seem to be a little bit more like, let's use this weekend to more organically build these relationships within the team or within the recruiting class. Yeah, it's it's adapting to the era of the transfer portal and the looming one-time transfer rule because, I mean, Ryan Day brings this up all the time and some of it is coach me, but some of it is actually true. Listen, if the you can get the kid to commit here, but then you got to keep him here, you know, because if he does, especially with this one-time transfer rule that that's probably going to get passed in the near future here, the kid might come, he might commit to your school, he might sign here, but if he's not happy here, he's going to leave. He's going to be in the portal the very next summer, and so he's got to fall in love with things other than just the legendary head coach or the position coach, as you saw with Clark Phillips, where it was very clear. He committed here because of Jeff Halfley, not necessarily because of the school, because he flipped the moment Jeff Halfley was out of here. Um, Bill Landis asked, when he asked about Lathan Ransom, it was the fact that it was about, you know, hey, this was Jeff Halfley's guy. How did you get this guy to stay here, basically? Because he fell in love with more than Jeff Halfley. And so that doing things like this allows that to happen. It's not just about... I remember talking to Paris Johnson when he was going through his old ordeal of going to take other visits when Urban Meyer retired. He was making sure this is what he wanted. One of the main things that stuck out to me said, I didn't commit to Ohio State. I commit to Urban Meyer. And if any, and anytime I came up to Columbus, the only place I knew where to get to was Urban Meyer's office. I didn't know anything about the campus or everything else. And so with Ryan Day, it was about, yeah, you have to trust in me as the first time head coach, but also you've got to want to be here. 
for more than just something that could leave at any point, especially with assistant coaches. They could be here one minute and be gone the other minute. It's that Larry Johnson's the exception to that being that he is the, the goat of defensive line developers. But outside of that, you got to find other reasons for these kids to love these schools and doing something like this allows Ryan day to, you know, emphasize that with recruits. That idea of these guys recruiting each other. I mean, every time we talk to a, a, a coach about recruiting, they bring up relationships. A lot of times when you talk to players, you ask them, well, what, made the difference what set it apart what what was the thing that made you want to be an Ohio State football player they'll come back to some kind of relationship they'll talk about the the assistant coach that was recruiting and they'll talk about Ryan Day sometimes they'll talk about other players though and you know I, I think that could be a huge thing that sometimes gets overlooked in recruiting is that you know people talk about like package deals and stuff like that I don't those things are are out there they're a little bit more rare though I think what might be more common is during the process you start to see who else has committed someplace and you just start to think, I want to go play with that guy. Like, I like that guy. I've I've watched him play and I think he's a good player, but also like when I've met him, when I've hung out with him, that seems like a guy that I could hang out with for four years. And this is part of that process, right? And and what, what ways did you see any evidence of that in these last couple of recruiting classes where that happened out of, and and was partially influenced by this uh, event? Yeah, I I think Obviously, the 2021 class didn't get a chance to do it, but Evan Pryor and Travion Henderson, the fact that they're both in this class, those are two highly rated running backs who probably would want to avoid each other, right? Especially being you, – you don't have a problem coming in with other highly rated running backs, but not necessarily in your class. And Tony Alford admitted that. People tried to, you know, pick at them and tear them apart and pull that relationship, and it didn't happen. And they got on campus and they got around each other and it just validated everything that they had already been talking to each other about on social media, through text, through video game chats and whatnot. And then in this 2022 class, Dasan McCullough and CJ Hicks, I mean, we've talked to them on the pod before. They have built a relationship here that one starts with, we complement each other as linebackers. There's the football element of it. But also, we've never met – they're going to meet this – each other in person for the first time this weekend because the Sam McCullough is coming to Columbus. Uh, just unofficial visit, self-guided stuff. They'll also be here for the Buckeye Bass 2.0 as well. But they've never actually met in person. But if you ask them, they're the best of friends and they've known each other for a decade. That's that's on that, – that the coaches had nothing to do with that. That's on two guys who, yes, they wanted to come to Ohio State, but also seeing the bigger picture and understanding – this relationship matters one because we're going to be in the same recruiting class and we want to bring great players along with us, but also not only are we great players, but we're going to be in the same room learning the same terminology from the same man as, as of right now, Al Washington is still here. That is all important. So having those guys be leaders and, and lead all and be willing to do it. Even if the dead period doesn't end this Buckeye Bass 2.0 is happening, whether the dead period ends is just whether or not Ohio state can be involved with it, but this is going to happen. And they've been planning this for months. It might be learning from Al Washington. Uh, a, if he's here and B though, if you're that guy who's going to end up at that, whatever we're calling the Sam bullet, whatever yeah. you, <laughs> as we find out with Craig Young, you might actually be with the safety. So that'll be an interesting to watch. Uh, a a quick segue there but um after this break we're going to talk a little bit more about what to expect from this specific Buckeye bash who's coming and why some of those visits might be crucial you're listening to Buckeye talk all right so 247 sports has I think 18 players down as 
expected to visit Ohio State for that June 4th weekend of the Buckeye Bash. And they really fall into two categories. It's guys who've already committed, some of whom are going to be on campus for the first time, and guys who have not committed yet, who Ohio State yeah. wants to get on campus to help them try to get committed. And there's especially, um, it seems like it might be a big weekend for defense because there, that, there's still some positions of major need and there's guys coming in on those that weekend. But um, we're going to talk on the other side of the ball first because the name at the top of that list, because he's at the top of every list when you go to most pages of the 24-7 sports for the 2022 class is Quinn Ewers, who will be here, is scheduled to be here on that weekend. Why do you think that could be important? He's, he's already committed. He has reaffirmed that commitment a few times. He doesn't seem like a guy who is wavering in wanting to be the quarterback for this 2022 class. But is it big to get him on campus? And is it maybe big, not just to get him on campus, but to get him on here for that weekend, as opposed to just having him visit some weekend? I think let's touch on the just getting him here first part, because that's, that's those are two separate things that are equally as important. One, just getting him here, because let's be honest here, they have not seen Quinn Ewers throw a football in three years. And look, that, and it's the same thing with Kyle McCord, but now he's here and it is what it is. But that is, that's a crazy thing about recruiting, especially with quarterbacks when your head coach is a quarterback's coach by trade. To not see a guy throw in person in, in that long of a time span when we're all thinking he might come in here and steal the job as a true freshman, Man, that's a scary thought. Like, imagine at any other job, if you hadn't seen somebody do it in person and then you just expect them to come in and be awesome at it, you, you'd be a little nervous. So that just being able to see him throw in person and see how much he's developed since the last time you saw him, which I think is when he was a freshman in high school, that's significant. Then there's also the aspect of, I mean, we all check in with our parents, right? And every so often you visit your parents and just so they can see your face, see you're doing okay in life and all that extra stuff. That matters. You know, you got to see these people in person. You can only do so much connecting through a Zoom or over the phone or through text. At some point, you got to see a guy in person, see how he's developing. You know, he's listed at two, at six foot three and 206 pounds. How much of that, you know, shows itself when you see him standing in front of you and how much of that is just a number on a computer screen. So that matters, especially for Quinn Ewers. Now, let's go down the list a little bit. Jaheim Singletary, Caleb Burton, those national guys who don't necessarily live 90 minutes, a two-hour radius away from Columbus, and they can just come to campus whenever they really feel like it for a weekend. It's important for those guys to just see what's going on, especially at the recruiting dead period ends. You can get them in the Ohio Stadium. You can get them in the Woody. Show them everything that's been updated basically since the last time you were here for a day camp four or five years ago or with Jaheim Singletary, just in general. He's – he commit he he earned an offer in November, committed in January, and has just this has been a completely a Zoom and phone call relationship. So him getting the chance to get around Kerry Combs and more importantly Matt Barnes, since that's going to be the teacher in his room, to seeing exactly how he's going to be developed as a defensive back is extremely important. Now the element of getting around these commits, once again, let's take it back to why the Buckeye Bash happened with Jack Sawyer. Yes, you can say you're as close as you can be, but if you've never met somebody in person, you don't really know what they're like. And so this is an opportunity for Quinn Ewers, Caleb Burden, they've, pro they've obviously met each other. They're not – South Carroll and, and Austin, Texas aren't far from each other, so they probably met each other. But a guy like Jaheim Singletary or even Jair Brown, who just moved back to Ohio and is still adjusting back to like – because he spent most of his life in Louisiana. It's important for all these guys to just get around each other and just be kids. I want to talk – about 
Ewers in one other way, and that is, again, getting him on campus, getting him around his teammates, that seems important for the quarterback of a class to get to experience that. Did Comacord miss out on that? It seemed like he was trying to have an influence and try to be a guy who, you know, communicated and like, you know, was was present in the recruiting process as much as you could be during the, the COVID year. Did he miss out on that completely? And why do you think it could be important? I think it would be important to get Quinn Ewers on on here around, you know, potentially, you know, a dozen other guys he's going to end up playing with or more and and have him start to because charisma is so important and leadership is so important, especially from a quarterback. And that relationship could be important just that weekend. You would think that there could be ramifications for that down the line. Yes and no. I think obviously you'd have liked to have him on campus more, especially this past season, given that he was going to be here in six months. But he'd been here a couple of times already. And I think as we talked about, we were discussing the differences between him, CJ Stroud, and Jack Miller, and how they got to this point. Him being at a school like St. Joe's, I think if we were talking about CJ Stroud in this manner, then I think it affects him more just because of the schools they come from. Ryan Day has a relationship with Tim Roken, who is St. Joe's head coach over there. And also that program is run at a such an esteemed level that, and that relate some of those relationships were already built along with the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. was his teammate and they went to school together and whatnot. I think it's been an easier transition than it ha- it would have been if say he was just at some random school in Philly, you know, so all of that, he'd been here a couple of times. He'd already had a really, he had built a relationship with Corey Dennis back when Corey Dennis was just, you know, the QC under, you know, Mike Yursich and whatnot. So this is for him. I think they did so much front loading in all of this that it was a little easier. And some of that is just location. Philadelphia is not that far away from Columbus in comparison to where, you know, Texas is and so it's just been easier for him to get back to campus at certain times so no from a standpoint of he's been here a couple of times but yes because you probably want your potential future starting quarterback to not have been away from campus for two years so take us kind of through the list of guys who have not committed who are still being recruited by Ohio State and who will be here that weekend and why some of those visits could be critical I think I'll start with Xavier Numpuck Number 72 player, the number five safety. I think he, right now, of the guys who are who are confirmed to have to be coming, he's probably the most important, even if he's not the highest rated. Amaria Barr is the highest rated, number 37 player, number two strong side defensive end. But you know, Xavier is the free safety here. And we've been talking about you need somebody who can who is born and bred it to play that single high safety role, and he fits that to a T. And, and he's been – he's had some crystal balls for Ohio State for a while. He didn't have them right now, but, you know, he's been warm for a while. That momentum has been trending towards Ohio State for a while. And he probably falls under the type of category of if you get him on campus, the commitment's going to come. I think him more than the other six or seven confirmed non-committed guys – that matters for him the most. He's already built a relationship with those guys. If you ask the commits, if you ask him, he'll say, they talk to me like I'm already in the class. And they'll tell you, listen, just commit already, dude. We already think you're a, you're a Buckeye. So get, get him around these guys in person. Get him on campus. Let him see everything he needs to see. And I won't be surprised if in two weeks after that, he's announcing that he has a commitment date. There's multiple defensive backs scheduled to be mm-hmm. in that group, right? Um is he the one that's like, is he the only one that's like a true free safety? 
Yeah, because Tori on a pride's more of a cornerback. Uh, and then obviously James Singletary is already committed. Yeah, most of these guys are cornerbacks and maybe can, can you can develop them in the free safeties. But Xavier is the one guy who you know, just like how with Jensen done, if you asked him during the recruitment process, hey, what do they think you're going to be? If you ask, if you're out, he'll say, oh, I'm Jordan Fuller. That's exactly what they want me to be. They want me to watch Jordan Fuller's now because they think I'm going to be that. Xavier's the one guy so far who you look at and go, that's exactly what they want him to be. And that's what he's coming here for. Who else should we be on like a commitment watch potentially? And it's still, you know, two months away. So who knows what happens between now and then. But right. is there anybody else that you think that could be that kind of a, a snap call situation that weekend? Yeah, I think Emil Wagner, I think his level of importance continues to rise. One, because I think he's going to continue to climb up the rankings. He might not be a five-star when it's all said and done, but he's the number 134 player right now, number 13 tackle, and he's from Ohio. And as I texted to our texters on Thursday morning, it seems like Keontae Goodwin's his momentum is taking him to Kentucky. He's a Louisville uh, native, and so that's just closer to home for him. And it's just like the J.C. Latham situation, a guy who might be a five-star when it's all said and done, who was favored to Ohio State for months, is going to end up at an SEC school. And this is another byproduct of COVID and not being able to take these visits, not being able to get a guy on campus to maybe put the final punctuation on what might be a looming commitment. Emil Wagner received an offer over the past month here and the crystal walls immediately started to roll in here, but this is just another 100 top 150 guy from Ohio that the Buckeyes have had no problem locking in with those guys if they want them. And so I would, he's another guy he's scheduled to come here, but also he could take a self-guided visit whenever he wants to. He's from Dayton. It's 45 minutes from here, but as Keontae Goodwin's momentum trends elsewhere and Zach Rice is still working through things. I wouldn't be surprised if his name gets added to either this Buckeye Bass 2.0 or in the following weeks, as you've already seen some of the guys scheduling official visits, Emil Wagner's importance to the class becomes more and more significant. Do you think this list will grow? I mean, do you think there's going to be some more big time prospects jump onto this? I do. The 2019 one had 15. I won't be surprised if this is at 22, 25, just because, you, you have to take the commits out of it when you're discussing it because, yeah, of course those guys are going to come at the same time. That's 11 guys. The more important number is the, set, is the seven guys who aren't committed. And I think that list might get up to 12, 13, 14 uncommitted guys because as important as it is to get these commits around each other to maybe validate some things, it's just as important with the uncommitted guys because all 11 of those commits can do the work for you in recruiting. So, yeah, I won't be surprised if this number is in the – mid-20s by the time we we maybe do this again to rehash it you know as we get closer to that June 4th date I mean I wouldn't say I, I understand what you're saying taking the, the commitments out of it but it is still an important weekend for because there are guys in on this list that we look at and think oh those guys are you know locked in there's other guys that you look at and you're like Ohio State's probably still got to recruit those guys pretty much right through signing day yeah, I, I, the national guys, obviously, I think Jair Brown, that's going to continue to be a process because, like I said, he just moved back here and that commitment came so quickly and the, the relationship is still growing. Uh, Keon Graves, obviously, he came on a self-guided visit, but this is a more this is an official visit and he gets to actually see the things that are going to matter the most to him. You know, uh, guys like Benji Gosnell and Bennett Christian. Bennett Christian took a, a self-guided visit, but like I said, the official visit just means more because, one, you're not paying for it. And two, you just get to see everything that you might have a question about. So, yeah, especially with the national guys, um, it's still a recruitment process, no matter how many times they come out on Twitter or Instagram and say, I'm not going anywhere, including Caleb Burton, who can put out as many pictures as he wants with him in an Ohio State, Ohio State T-shirt.
So that's June 4th, Buckeye Bash. We'll be talking about that more as it approaches, as more players get added to that, and potentially as more commitments happen, or um, certainly as we get close to that date, we'll talk about you know anything we think might be imminent. We're going to come back from the break. We're going to talk about a couple of the players that Stephen mentioned in passing there because there's been some news and a couple other topics here on BFFs on Buckeye Talk. All right, Stephen, wrapping up the BFFs today, tell me, so tell our listeners, um, some of them don't get the text. The text subscribers got it already, 614-350-3315. They got it, I guess, Thursday morning. This is Friday morning that uh, a lot of you will be listening to this. But um, tell us what's going on with with Offensive Tackle, Keontae Goodwin, Zach Rice, just what's happened here recently, and and where is that um, trending? Yeah, Keontae Goodwin, the number 47 player in the country, number five, wants for the tackle. That guy's on a, a trajectory that's probably going to be five-star by the time we get to signing day. Very similar to what J.C. Latham was last year. Two guys who had Ohio State momentum for months, on months on months. And as I said earlier, maybe would have been guys where if you get them on campus, that's the final step they need to be able to pull the trigger. And then last night, about – 9 30 10 o'clock as i'm wrapping up a story and getting ready to schedule it steve whitfarm the director of 247 sports uh, put out a crystal ball saying that he he's predicting keontae goodwin to kentucky now to be fair there had been one that showed up about two weeks ago to kentucky and but you don't pay attention to just one crystal ball that doesn't mean much especially when a kid's got 10 of them and nine of them are still saying ohio state and they're pretty confident in ohio state but when you see two and three and four start to roll in at a certain time, and then within minutes after that, there's an announcement. Somebody puts out a report saying that this kid has a commitment date. Now it's a problem. That's not a good thing for Ohio State. And at this point, it's probably a safe bet to say that Keontae Goodwin on April 17th when he announces it's going to be for Kentucky. As I mentioned earlier, he lives in Charleston, Indiana, but he's originally from Louisville, uh, so that's obviously Kentucky. It's closer to home. And this is just a kid who hasn't had a chance to get on campus. This is the COVID and the recruiting dead period, making it very hard for a kid to make a decision that makes him feel comfortable to go away from home when he hasn't seen a lot of these places in person. So it's just kind of the same story with Damani Jackson, the number one corner who decided to stay in California at USC. Armani Winfield, who was favored to Ohio State forever in a day and ended up staying home at Texas. And so that puts – Ohio State needs a five-star tackle in this class just because since 2017, that's been the rhythm here. You go, Wyatt Davis was the five-star guard in 2017. Then you got Nicholas Petit-Frere, the number one tackle in 2018. And then in 2019, Harry Miller, the number one center in the class. 2020, Paris Johnson, the number one tackle. And then last year, Donovan Jackson, who will show up here this summer as the number one guard in that class. What's tackle time? And right now, Ohio State doesn't have that five-star tackle. They've got Tegra Tishabola who's a four-star top 150 player, but you need the five-star guy. And Keontae Goodwin looked like a guy who was headed in that direction. And you, it seemed like that was all Ohio State, and that's flipped. And so now that puts the more pressure on getting Zach Rice, the number one tackle, the number 21 player in the country, who put Ohio State in his top six earlier this in, in March. That puts a lot more pressure into making sure that that guy ends up a Buckeye. Well, but, but how many – tackles are in how many tackles are five stars there's only like 30 some players that are five right. stars there's there's three and zach rice is the only one they're in on that's what what i mean by pressure it's just not like oh it's zach rice it's kelvin banks and it's will campbell which one ends up a buckeye will campbell's already committed to uh, lsu as a louisiana native 
Shout out to Edward Ogeron once again, locking down the state. And then Kelvin Banks is, you know, he's Big 12 territory. He's from Texas, and he's crystal balled out of Texas A&M or Oklahoma State. So that, when I say pressure, what I'm saying is Zach Rice right now seems to be their only chance to actually getting a guy who's rated as a five-star at tackle. Yeah, I would just be careful that we don't say they have to get a five-star at a position just because sometimes – there may only be like one offensive yeah. tackle in the country in a year who happens to grade a five-star. That's a very, you know, they only do a certain number of those a year. They cap the number of five-stars that there it's are. It about, correlates yeah. to the NFL draft. Um, it's usually around 32, right? So, yeah. um, it, so the, but, but I think what you're, what you're trying to say is they need to get an, a, a high-impact, early-impact player mm-hmm. at tackle. And obviously five-stars correlate to that, but – um, anybody else that you've got your eye on that something could be coming anything, what, what's like the next, like any, between now and Buckeye bash, like what should people have their eye on as far as recruiting? Yeah, I, I think Zion branch is interesting. Bishop Gorman in Nevada, obviously Ohio state's got some success out there. Haskell Garrett and the infamous Tate Martell, two guys that they've gotten out of that, that, that one's an interesting one. He, he's the most recent addition to the Buckeye bash weekend. I, that, that's an, it, because you still need just secondary guys in general as Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes continue to replenish that room. A top 50 player, number 54 player in the country, number three safety. He can play either. Uh, he's probably more of that second safety position, but he can play either. You can develop it in a, either one. And then the most interesting one, I think of guys who are already named on this is Dominic James. He's at IMG, but he's from Alabama. And Ohio State doesn't have success in Alabama. And obviously, they're getting in there a little bit more in the 2023 class, having offered some defensive backs there. But this is an interesting one just because I remember the first time I talked to him after he got the offer, the Chase Young thing was interesting for him. And not because everyone's going to be Chase Young and have 16 and a half sacks and be a Heisman Trophy finalist and all that stuff. That's what it is. But the idea that a defensive player, not just – not a defensive player who was like Charles Woodson, who was a defensive back who also played some offense and was on special teams. A defensive lineman was a Heisman Trophy candidate. It just it, it, it raised the ceiling on some of his thoughts on Larry Johnson because obviously the Bosa brothers exist and Tyquan Lewis was Big Ten player of the year. But when you reach that level of a ceiling, it's like, man, if I go play for that guy, anything is possible. That's my ceiling. And even if it's a tough benchmark to reach, that's something I can strive for. And so he's interesting as an Alabama native. Can Ohio State pull that off, especially since he's not living in Alabama right now and his mom is, really likes Ohio State. He likes Ohio State as well. I mentioned that that's, when Ohio State goes into these places that they rarely ever have success in and they can just pull out a one-off, like with Josh Proctor out of Oklahoma, that's always interesting to me. I want to switch over to basketball real quick. Are you on commitment watch there? Is something happening there? We've talked about Ohio State needing a big man. Could something be happening there? Yeah. Efton Reed, April 15th, according to his mother. That's when we'll find out um, from the sources I've talked to. Ohio State feels pretty confident about where that's going to go. Um, they feel like they're in good position there. We'll actually find out on the 15th. But they feel like, yeah, that they feel like they're in a good spot. And if not, then, I mean, the crit the transfer portal is available. That's their next best option. But, yeah, they feel pretty good that they might be able to pull this one off. And it'll be Chris Holtman's first five-star recruit as a head coach, number 23 player and the number three center. And what's his potential impact as a freshman? Like, what can he do this winter, this coming winter? So, I think he's the starting center if he comes here. 
I mean, he's that talented, especially for the way Ohio State wants to play. You don't necessarily have to play through him every single possession. But when you have a guy, you have an answer for a guy like Hunter Dickinson because he's 6'11", 225 pounds. You have answers for the guys like that, and you can also play through the post when you want to. But also, he's more of a modern big in a sense that pick and roll. He can dive to the rim. He can run the floor. He's a, a shot blocker and can he can you know, protect the rim and stuff like that. So he's the perfect type of five-star center for how Holtman wants to play. You, you have him and you can play through him if you need to, but he doesn't have to be your primary option. So he, if he commits here, he and Malachi Branham are the two guys who are true freshmen who I think can be starters from day one. We will keep an eye on that, Stephen, I should say. We'll keep an eye on that. We're going to keep bringing you recruiting every day. Get the text again, 614-350-3315. Uh, we're trying to at least once a day give you some kind of nugget that we're hearing from our people. We've got multiple uh, folks out there uh, on the phones getting recruiting details every day. We're passing those along to our subscribers, and we appreciate those of you who are on board. And come back to us uh, a week from now. We will talk more Ohio State recruiting on the BFS podcast for Stephen Means. I'm Nathan Baird, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.